this is the first one to make me sob into my like keyboard for the first time in like in weeks. I know. I texted you and I was like, I, I'm just sitting over here sobbing. I was like, I know. Same. That's terrible. <laughs> anyway, welcome. <laughs> Hi, Julian Bethavali. Hi, Patrick Hines. Bam. I'd love it if you came to Obsessed Fest. Sure. October 20th to the 22nd in Dallas. All your favorite podcasters are going to be there. Everybody. We're there. Bob Ruff, yes. Rabia, Wine and Crime, Generation Y, Maggie, Tim and Lance, Ellen and Joey, Amber, Daisy Egan. And you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. <laughs> and everyone who's coming gets a copy of my book. I'm just, it's, it was like the best time in the world last year. I can only imagine that this year's going to be just as good. Your Taylor Swift sing along is going to be off the chain. Uh, yeah. It's, I'm back. Yeah. Yeah. Off the chain. I know. I just tried to <laughs> roll right past it. It's obsessedfest.com. Get your tickets. Girl, what are we talking about today? So we're doing Dateline, and uh, this it was very highly requested. It's called The Last Walk. It's season 31, episode 12. Brittany went down to Myrtle Beach. She told her mother that she was at a friend's house. This nonstop kids cruising the boulevard. She's entering the Blue Water Resort. She is then seen leaving 15 minutes later. He left the motel not long after she did. They were certainly our prime suspects at this point. She was texting with her boyfriend. It stopped suddenly. It's like the sidewalk opened up and she was gone. Somebody knows something somewhere. Didn't you get a call from Brittany's phone at one point? Her phone had made a beeline from Myrtle Beach down to this really rural area 50 miles south. Part of the section is called Hell Hole. Oh, we all had these fantasies about snatching girls off the street. Was she scared? Was she screaming? You just don't want your best friend to ever feel that way. We went through years with nothing. But you can't give up, because if you give up, then you're giving up on her. And she would never have given up on anybody. I want to say this. This episode to me, I think about Brittany Drexel maybe every single day. Yeah. And that is a true story. I think about Brittany due to no fault of her own. She's the victim here. Of course. This story is a cautionary tale that just really resonated with me. Yeah, yeah. And I was saying to you earlier today when Daisy is like old enough to like not be totally freaked out by this, like when she's in her teens, we're going to sit down and like watch this Dateline together. Because like I was saying to you, I feel like it should be required viewing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then when she's old enough to have a phone, she gets my phone number as well. Yes, exactly. I just always want her to have the option, you know? I know. Like, you're not the parents where she feels like, I I mean, that's not the kind of parents you are where she feels she would have to hide things, but right. I want her to have the option that, of like, I'll, I'll get in a car and get her anywhere, you know? A hundred percent. So, we open on a Saturday night in 2009. Well, it's... Keith is our host. Okay. <laughs> and he's coming in hot. The night was lit like a festival. Lit like a festival, A Keith. celebration she was not a part of, he says. Okay, Keith. I know. Pipe it. He really does write his own copy. He does. We got a great Keith Zinger right in the end here. Well, this this Zinger was one of our like first TikToks yeah, that we did. it's so good. So, we'll get there. So, it's Saturday night, 2009. End of spring break. We're in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And we learned about Brittany Drexel. As far as her parents knew, she was with trusted friends at a beach on Lake Ontario, just a few miles from home in Rochester, New York. Both parents had already nixed the Myrtle Beach idea. She was too young, they said. She had lied to her parents. Her parents don't know she's there. Right. So she was supposed to be close to home, which is Rochester, New York, right? And 
the first thing I was just like, oh no, they lied and broke down Palace too. Remember that movie, Broke Down Palace? Of course. I just could never get away with this. I don't think. I don't think. I, I don't. I just don't know how that works. But she wanted to like do something else. Like she wanted to go to like a real spring break, right? As a seventeen-year-old kid, you know who can blame her? And this is the thing where I, I just like this is what scares me so much because we meet her dad. Yeah. Her dad is great. It seems like her parents are excellent. Yeah. You know they they are parents with rules. Brittany was a wonderful person. Yeah. But like sometimes kids lie to their parents. I lied to my parents. I'm sure you lied to your parents. I'm just saying, don't lie to your parents, please. I'm begging you. Like, people need to know where you are. You know what I mean? Like, it's so scary to me. Yeah. So here's what happened. So we're here with Tara, who's Brittany's best friend. And Tara didn't go. Brittany was 17 years old. And the people she went with were older than her. It was older girls going with their boyfriends. And Brittany asked her mom, like, can I go with these older kids, these couples? And her parents were like, absolutely not. She asked her mom. Her mom says no. So she goes to her dad. And she, the, the dad is like double no. Right. Absolutely not. The dad's like, also your grades suck and I brought you to school late three times last week. Brittany, get it together. Right, please. So she told them that she was going to go to Lake Ontario, but she went to South Carolina instead. Lake Ontario sounds far, but it's like one of the great lakes near where she lives. Yeah, It sounds like a really far away place. So Brittany, it does. (laughs) But it doesn't. It sounds like you have to take a plane from Rochester to get there. You don't. You don't. You just get in the car. It's right down the road. Sure. You know what I mean? (laughs) Brittany has a boyfriend named John. He didn't go down to spring break with her, but she was pretty much live tech texting him what she was doing. And so her two, like the two closest people in her life do know where she is. Her best friend Tara and her boyfriend John. Right. And so the thing that she is live texting John, which I would be doing the same thing if I were in her position. Once she's down there, she realizes this is no fun at all. So Brittany loved it at first. She was feeling excluded by those older kids. Three days that way. And then it was Saturday, April 25th. She wasn't having fun anymore, and she felt, you know, isolated from the group that she went down there with. She realizes, wait, I barely know these people. They're older than me. They're couples. I'm the fifth wheel, and they're mean girls. I they're mean, being mean to her. And the thing is, like, no one, we never, in all of the coverage of this case I've seen, we never meet these couples that she was down there no. with. Who, like, when she goes missing, don't spend a second looking for her. Right. Like, it's, it makes me crazy. And so we we have so many of these texts because she's texting her boyfriend, and it goes to from, like, oh, my God, we're getting ice cream, to these people are the worst. They're they're totally excluding me. Exactly. Very, very, very quickly. And it's like, of course they are. Like, I don't even know why she was invited. It's not her fault, but it's right. like, these girls are just mean girls and they're isolating her and excluding her and bullying her. They're the older girls with boyfriends and like, what? And it's like, Brittany, how do you know them? We don't get any context as to who these people are to her. I just feel like, I, I, I can imagine that she really had to go through a lot of hoops to lie and then get there and then she realizes like why did I do this for these people who are just mean to me and she's like now right I've lied she to my said, parents she said it must be so lonely I'm in a place I don't want to be in it's, you know? it's terrible and we learn that the night that she goes missing that, that afternoon she ran into some friends from home on the beach right specifically this this guy Peter Brasowitz I think that's how you say his name sure he's 20 years old 20 years old he's staying at a hotel called the Blue Water down the street or whatever she's on this main thoroughfare yes. so it's a lot of hotels a lot of bars, a lot of restaurants. It's like the main street where it's constantly crowded. It's Uh where everybody is. So that night, it's Saturday, April 25th. So that night, Brittany left her hotel, the Bar Harbor, and walked along the boulevard to Peter's Hotel, the Blue Water Resort, about a mile away. But once she got there... One of the girls that she had gone down there with asked for her shorts back that Brittany had borrowed, and 
Britt was like, oh, I have to go walk back now to my hotel and give her back these shorts. One of the jerks that she was with demands that Britney walk all the way back to bring her like her going out shorts. Somebody explain this to me because I've had a lot of friends in my life. I have never once shared shorts with them. It could be that maybe I require a larger size no. than most of my friends. I think on vacation, you're young. It's like, oh, who, where's my going out top? Where's my going out shorts? <laughs> and Britney had borrowed these shorts. And yeah. so she walks all the way to Peter's hotel and right. she's there for like a few minutes when Regina George <laughs> is demanding her fucking going out shorts back and is making Britney walk all the way back. I'm also like, Regina George, is there not an Old Navy on the strip? You're going to make this You brought girl- one pair of going out shorts? <laughs> now, to be fair to Regina, I also have only one pair of going out shorts. But when they shorts. fit just right. Also, the, these are the shorts I wear. Shorts my, down to my knees. I know. Okay, so I'm not wearing cute going out shorts. I know. I have like one pair of cargo shorts. Ugh. I will say this year, I discovered Tommy Bahama, which is clothes made for people just like me. <laughs> Tommy Bahama. Yep. I have no problem with it. Yep. Because I feel like you're on vacation. Sure. It's vacation wear. But you can tell, like, I was recently on vacation in yep. December. Lots of Tommy Bahama. I am decked out in Tommy Bahama head to toe right now. It's you, a Tommy Bahama. But it's not like a patterned shirt. This isn't a patterned shirt, but my shorts with like the elastic waistband, girl. <laughs> Are you comfortable? Do you I'm feel great? I'm so comfortable. Phenomenal. That's all I care about. Do I have a beach body? Yes, you do, because you have a body. <laughs> Don't make me say it again. Or I'll I say it you. as many times as you I need I know, to. I know. Fuck all these people. So Britney walks back along the main boulevard. She's texting John again. And like, this is when Britney says, John's like, girl, go out. It's your last night there. You you did the lie. Go out. Have right. fun. And she's like, uh-uh, I'm going to stay in and pack. Yeah, she's like, I hate everything. I'm just going to stay in. Like, I'm going to pack my shit, go to sleep early. She said, I'm going to stay in, pack, go to sleep early. I said, sounds like Steve Tipton's kind of night. Right? <laughs> this is a funny, you know how sometimes we say, like, the, the narrators just want to have some dignity. They don't want to yes. be our hosts here. So John said, she's like, I'm just going to you know, pack my shit go to sleep early and John the boyfriend his text is why baby sad face Keith chooses to just read this as why I know he doesn't add the baby or the sad face but we see it on screen I know so Brittany doesn't answer and an hour goes by still no reply back in Rochester Tara's phone rang it was John and he was very very panicky I was trying to calm him down like listen John I was like you know it's Brit I mean did you make her mad is she ignoring you and he's like no, I don't think so. Like, we were having a fine conversation, and now she's not answering my calls, nothing. I love that Tara's response is, you know, you know, Brittany, would you make her mad? What'd you say? What'd John, you say? what'd you John. say? Meanwhile, I don't know John, but John seems like a really good kid. Raise, raise your kids to be like John. You know, and I know that, like, you're not supposed to tattle on your girlfriend, but, like, I feel like I would have been like, don't go to Myrtle Beach or I'm telling your parents. Right, like, you John know that I would have done that. Yes. That's why. <laughs> of course you would have. I am that. Don't murder somebody because I will tell on you. I, well, that is a good thing. You know what I mean? But I love that we met when we met in our yeah. lives because. I would have been such a snitch. I would have been a snitch. You got a such stitch. a little rat. <laughs> totally. You would have ratted me yeah. out. Left, I right, was, and center, as they I say. was a good kid. I didn't drink so until after I. college. I blame my friend Mike Jensen For on my functional alcoholism. <laughs> Hello, Mike Jensen. He I knows. love Mike. It's not, Mike is it's the best. Like I haven't said right to his face. Mike is the best. <laughs> so Tara calls to check in on Brittany. The phone rings and rings and rings. It goes to voicemail. Yeah. And maybe she lost her phone. Like, no one is going to, to the worst, darkest parts of their mind Only right now. because I'm not on that call. Right. Like, this, I'm sorry, but, like, I think boyfriend John knows, and he's, no one's listening to him. Right. Because, like, live texting to radio fucking silence, absolutely not. I mean, unless, like, she dropped her phone and it got run over by a car. At which point, she would know everybody in her life would be 
panicking. Right. So she'd be on a payphone or something. But the, yeah, don't they still have landlines in hotels now? You would think. I think, don't I, they? I don't know. So, but John is like you. John calls Britney's mom right away. I would have called the day before she left. No, you're not leaving. <laughs> you're I'm not so leaving. sorry. You're such a little snitch. <laughs> well, come on. I know, I know, I know. This is the I, prime I, example of why you should do something like that. Yeah, because I would also, I'm just putting myself there. Like, I would have a pit in my stomach the whole time. You would not have any like, fun. Like, it, yeah. it wouldn't be. I know. It's, that's just that's just me. And again, the only person really at fault here is the fucking killer. And yeah, she and the, me like me and girls were being mean to her. Like right. I'm, I'm just saying, like yeah. that, it's a hard thing to pull off. Of course, yeah, a hundred percent. So now the parents know, but the parents know that one, she's not where she said she'd be, and two, now she's missing. I just cannot imagine. That I can't off. imagine it either. But you know what? The family comes up with a plan immediately. So the mom and the dad are divorced, by yeah. the way. They don't yeah. live together, and Brittany's got two younger siblings. Now, amid rising anxiety, the family devised a plan. Chad would stay home with Brittany's little sister and brother, while her friends, including John and Tara, and her mom and grandparents, made the 14-hour drive to Myrtle Beach to find her. Didn't pack a bag, didn't pack a toothbrush. I had, like, a hoodie and sweatpants on, and I was like, let's go get Brett. Tara's like, I didn't even pack a bag. It was a hoodie and sweatpants, and let's fucking go. Yeah, fuck those going out shorts. I know. Oh, my God, I know. So they go right to the cops, who right on cue assume that she's, quote, extending her vacation. Now, I'm certainly not defending the cops here, but somebody points out to us that the cops know now that Brittany lied to her parents, Uh and that's how she's down. You should be, woo, woo, you should be looking for her, right? I'm not defending the cops. I'm just saying that, like, that. that's what they're saying. Well, she ran away, like, she lied to you before. What makes you think she's telling you the truth now? Right, but then you have boyfriend John and Best friend Tara saying, no, 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 she was live texting and then she wasn't. This exactly. is a big deal. She, exactly. she would never extend her vacation. Like, she and John clearly were in love with each other yeah. as much as 17-year-olds can be. I mean, if they were live texting and he's supporting her, go have fun. Like, no, no a million they're not percent. extending. But this is just another reason why I'm saying, please don't lie to your parents. Know. You know what I mean? Just, like, be where you say you're going to be. So, and I'm just saying that as a dad, I am not blaming Brittany. I'm just I'm just empathizing with the parents here. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I'm just empathizing with the parents. So everyone, they start walking the boulevard. Because remember, it was like one long strip where everyone was and it was busy all the time because it was spring break so there's a lot of people there so they're walking around with photos they're going to every store they're talking they're stopping everyone and they're trying to like you know have you seen Brittany and nobody's seen her and this is where we get the backstory of the dad because we learn that he's her stepdad this is where like I just put my head in my hands I just sobbed and his name is Chad his name is dad I said Chad the dad Chad the dad Brittany came into his life when she was like two or whatever preschool age yeah and he adopts her with the full support of her birth dad so the adoption was really It was really cute. Brittany went with me every morning because she was still the first year before her kindergarten. So I picked her up and we went to the local judge there in Virginia Beach. And when I sat down, Brittany walked around and jumped right on top of my lap. And the the naval judge looked at me and says, I don't even have any questions. Signed right off and that was it. She gets up and walks around the table and just goes and sits in his lap. And the judge says, I have no questions. Yeah, it's, I, like, it's unbelievable. I did the Michelle McNamara ugly cry. Yeah, when yeah, I, yeah. I put my head in my hands and I was like, "I this yeah, is, it's, it's so fucking awful. Yeah. And then we get the Tara and Brittany BFF story about yeah. they loved, like, they loved all the same things and the same, like, sports and the same, like, makeup stuff. She's like, we loved girly things, but we also liked, quote, tomboy things like dirt biking and fishing. There I went, you go. Ugh. Yeah. Find a best friend that loves both of those things. No. Whatever I, your two I'm, things are. Not, I got Mike Jen. I'm Whatever. Not doing that. <laughs> right. We Vodka and, and whiskey <laughs> and bourbon. 
Um, country and Western. That's oh a my Blues God. Brothers joke, everybody. So Britney loves her family, especially her younger siblings. And that's really important. That doesn't always happen. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, they loved her. She loved them. The little brother, he when she goes missing, he's like five or something. He's all he's grown up He's here now. as a grown up now. And it's fucking miserable. So we meet Tracy. She's a detective down in Myrtle Beach. And she questioned those friends, the mean girls that Britney went down there with. Yeah. But Keith, like, just to paraphrase Keith, he's like, mean girls? Yes. Did they disappear her? No. No, but, but they were mean girls. But also, did they fucking drop what they were doing that night and go searching yeah, for her? They also didn't do that either. It's so, I, it's so crazy to me. Because she was annoying them. I know. Like, she was, I don't know how how she was invited or how she got down there but they, they realized that once they, they just wanted to like be with their boyfriends right. and they were mean and excluding her and they were like happy that she wasn't around that night I can think of five people off the top of my head that I can't fucking stand the sight of <laughs> yeah. if they went missing I'd be out there looking for them of course you know what I mean yeah. maybe the cops didn't talk to them that night but like when you get back to the hotel room and Brittany's not there and she's 17 and she, you are the ones who invited her how does that not become the rest of your trip and the rest of your fucking right, life right because it took the family 14 hours to drive down there yeah. so that means you were in that motel room room or whatever for 14 hours, Regina George. Not even noticing or giving a shit that Britney's gone. Exactly. So we learn about the night that she went missing. A camera captures her walking southbound towards the Blue Water Resort and that's at 8.15 p.m. on the night she went missing. A ghostly image. Hard to make out. But here she was. This was Britney walking along South Ocean Boulevard. Her next stop was the Boys Hotel. They show us the footage, and I'm like, how on earth do you know that's her? Like, it's so grainy. You literally cannot tell. It could have been me. Right. It wasn't. Except for except for that, I wasn't wearing my going out. I was my, gonna say, my going, going out cargo out shorts. shorts. <laughs> but we learned then, like this bomb is dropped. Tara's mom, the best friend Tara. Yeah. Her mom Renee used to be a private eye. I was like, you are definitely burying the lead here, Dateline. So, no, because because Tara's like, oh, I call my mom because of um, you know, like my mom's work history. I'm like, Tara, don't be coy. I know. All that shit. That's <laughs> I, awesome. I thought we were gonna find out that her mom was like a famous that her mom was like Diane Diamond. Yes. And could get her like on the news. Look. Renee is the new Diane Diamond. <laughs> so she, so that like there's the point is there's like an amazing team of people who really care and know what they're doing looking for Britney. Yes. So everyone's checking the hotels, asking people to see the photos. Like maybe she's in the background of photos that somebody else took. Well, Detective Tracy goes right to the Blue Water Hotel where we get crystal yeah. fucking clear video surveillance of her, of Britney entering the hotel at eight thirty three p.m. But curiously, she's seen exactly fifteen minutes later leaving the hotel because Regina George needs her going out short. I cannot believe. So have you have a friend that you share shorts with? Shorts? Uh, I never know. But I also, again, the shorts I wear are cut off down to my knees like black denim shorts. I don't have the cute Myrtle Uh Beach going out shorts. Uh I don't. I don't. It doesn't seem like Myrtle Beach is high on your list of destinations for a vacation. No, but like if all my friends were going, like maybe I would go. But I I wouldn't like get new going out shorts for it. But I know that going out shorts and going out tops and all that are like very important to people. So I'm not begrudging them in any way. But no one one wants my shorts is what I'm trying to say. I, I hear you. I grew up on Cape Cod. You would think that I would know from going out shorts. I don't. Yeah. I really don't. I saw someone today. I was... It's a like New York City moment where you're like, oh, um, because it's May. We're recording this forever. Uh-huh. It's May 11th. It's sweltering hot. It's like yeah. 80 something degrees. So I'm wearing like a t-shirt and shorts. And I, I stopped at a red light next to an, next to another woman wearing a t-shirt and shorts. Uh-huh. Very different t-shirt and shorts combination. I was like, wow, uh-huh. that's what it's like to be pretty in the summer. Oh, stop oh, it. She you are amazing. Stunning. But I, it was just like, it was very different. Like there are two types of t-shirts yeah, and yeah, shorts yeah, yeah. in the summertime. Totally. And I saw them. I was like, wow, people walking by are, are just looking in one direction. <laughs> 
So Detective Tracy says, we can tell from like seeing her come in in one piece and leave in one piece that nothing happened to Brittany at the hotel. Right. And then suddenly everything stops on her phone at 8.58. So remember, she's leaving the hotel at 8.48, texting, like furiously texting boyfriend John about how miserable she is. Right. And what a horrible person Regina George is back at the hotel. And saying specifically, I'm going back to the hotel to pack. Yes. She, she says what her plans are. Yeah. And 10 minutes later at 8.58, just abruptly, the text messages stop. Right. And somebody says it's like the sidewalk opened up and swallowed her. So it takes two days to get the cell phone data. We got to do better with this. Yeah. Because, like, why can't we track that shit in real time? Maybe now we can. You probably can't, like, find my phone or whatever. You probably could in real time. Yeah. Yeah. I've had friends who, I had a friend who went camping once. Don't worry about it. What is that? But they gave me their location. Uh So while they were out, and it was just like, if, just like check in every once in a while. Uh And, you know, I should be leaving by this date. So you can, like, track where they are. I, like, track them going in the car. Why are you friends with somebody who would go camping? I'm not anymore. Okay. For reasons that don't have anything to do with camping. Oh, my God. But we learned... Cell tower data came in. Now they could track her phone, show where it went. It wasn't good. Her phone had made a beeline from, you know, central Myrtle Beach down to this really rural area 50 miles south. Brittany's phone suddenly moved south at the speed of a car traveling at the speed of a car. So it's like, whose car did she get into? Who took her? How did no one see anything? Did she know these people? And then they say at 11.57, her phone pings for the last time. It's been three hours since her last text message, and she's more than 50 miles south of Myrtle Beach, and then the phone dies. So now we're looking at what they're calling the Rochester boys, like those friends that she went to meet for 10 minutes before the going out shorts debacle. Yeah, and I'll say like in the Disappeared episode, it, they, they spend more time on this. These kids were really fucking shady. They were, but like, so they left the Blue Water Resort not long after she did. Right. And now, I guess, because I'm watching this episode, but I'm like, that doesn't seem that crazy to me. They met up to go out. Right. They went out. Right. Like, the whole point was that they were going to go out. It's kind of like the shit that happened later, because what we learn is that, like, when they are able to get the boys' cell phone data and you see it on a map, Brittany's going one way, like, her phone and her their stuff is going in the other way. But, like, we learn later that, like, the night that Brittany goes missing, the boys come home at, like, four in the morning, pack up their shit super fast, and just yell at the... (laughs) Front desk. Pick a fight with the person at the front desk and like drunkenly leave. As one of the people who used to have that job, can you leave the fucking hotel workers alone? If your room isn't ready, your room isn't ready. Yeah, you know what I mean. Drunk twenty year olds just like leaving like thieves in the night. Come on. Oh god. Right. And so that was super. It's not them. They didn't do it. it. They're assholes, and they come back later. They're like way too selfish to do it. Exactly. (laughs) If that makes sense. Exactly. But Keith also says like, not a good look. Not a good look (laughs) now. And I'm like, no, that's right. You're absolutely right. So the next day, the cops and the family head south to the, quote, swampy area where the phone pinged and died. So the cops and some very organized volunteers are searching the area. Their leader is Monica Kaysen, founder of the Q Center for Missing Persons out of Wilmington, North Carolina. Eye in the sky almost all the time. Monica met us at Pole Yard Landing, a boat launch on the banks of the Santee River. This was the very spot, near as anybody could figure, where Brittany's phone pinged before going silent. So she meets Keith at this place called the Pole Yard Landing. Monica doesn't take any shit from anyone, <laughs> especially not Keith. One, she's the kind of lady who eats, you know, like in those old timey, like, uh, I'm thinking like, uh, um, you almost got it. Oh, what's Where the one? It? What's the one with the, with the, it's like summer for, it's like winter for 10 years. What? In like, in like Greenland? No, the, the show. No, uh, oh, Game of Thrones? Yeah. She's like one of those who like, I am not. Why did I say Greenland? <laughs> I don't know. 
I'll see know. everyone in my fucking I, DMs. I don't know where that came from. I'm telling you now as a blanket I, statement, I don't know where it came you from. You know those like old timey kings and queens where like the king has the platter and he picks up like that like cow oh, sure, leg. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, like medieval times. That's like thank you so much. You got me there so much. That's I imagine like that's what Monica eats. Have you ever been to medieval times? No. It is so much fun and it's so stupid really? and ridiculous. <laughs> you gotta go with a group, you gotta get like a drunk bus. Is it like role playing? Kind of, but like you're just watching these guys joust and then you're just like eating and <laughs> drinking food and you root for your color, whatever. Really? Oh, yeah. And then they're like, Do the guys get naked? No, but oh. they like definitely flirt and like make oh, eyes with you. Even with me? Yeah. Oh my God. So, even like depending on what section you're in, you're like rooting for the yellow guy or the, the green guy or whatever. I want to go to medieval times now. It's really fun. But anyway, they're, they're standing at the place where, as Keith says, like as best as anyone can tell, this is like right where her phone like pinged and then died. Right. But it's thousands of acres. Keith goes, How many people did you have looking? Um, probably within the first week, I was running about seven to 800 people through on a continuous basis. How do you get that many people? I put a call out. I just put a call out. I put a call out, Keith. <laughs> it's I'm Monica, you idiot, <laughs> is the tone that I picked up from Monica. Monica does not fuck around. But then they, so they have dogs and horses and officers on horses with sharpshooters and yeah. big guns to which Keith goes, oh, Lord. <laughs> we got to talk <laughs> like, about oh, this. Oh, Lord, indeed. It's so bad. What, what is happening is that the fucking wildlife in these woods the swamplands. are so fucking dangerous. Any one of them could lose a life. Monica, she tells us straight up, I was not about to lose a dog. No. So there are gators, there yes. are hogs. We learn that the hogs are mad and they will come and charge you and go and eat you and or your dog. That's true. The mad hogs. It's so did we learn also the flies are also mad that They're one of the people, people alive. They say that these like these searchers are coming out of the woods covered in blood from the fly bites. Lord. Good lord indeed. Flies. Good, Good lord, lord indeed. indeed. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like person eating flies. I know that Ugh. they're just living their best animal lives or South whatever. Carolina, what is going on? How have we allowed this to continue? They also have palmetto bugs, which are basically flying cockroaches. I, cannot, I can't. I cannot handle that. I just. I just like, but they're, they're saying. The main part of the urgency is like, you know, we need to find her. We need to, you know, make sure she's okay. And if she's not, we need to find her before the animals pretty much do away with her. Do away with her? Yes. They need to get to her before any of these animals do. That's they what they're say, trying to say. Which is like, oh my God. And also they say like the hogs will like not only eat her, but they will like drag away her remains. The hogs. Like I, I had to look up the difference between a hog and a pig. And basically a pig is just a small hog. I was going to ask you a question, but I already answered it for you in my head because okay. I know you didn't watch the show Deadwood. <laughs> no. But that's how they got rid of dead bodies. They would feed them to, to the, the hogs. Yeah. That is, these hogs, can you imagine? They also, Keith tells us we have over 10,000 wild hogs in this area. 10,000. Thousands. And they're mad as hell. They are so mad. They're <laughs> mad as hell. <laughs> and look, I, you know what yeah. I say. Stay out of Stay their way. Stay out. Because in within their ho hogdom, hell is always breaking loose. Yeah. Do you always. know what I mean? Just endlessly. It's and, it's, and they're just saying, see? I know. Get out I'll of get my out living of here. room. Get out of here. I wonder it if is, they get along with the gators. Probably not. It seems I think like they it, coexist pretty well. Or do they? I don't know. Can you imagine? Maybe they stay on one side. They all go to their separate <laughs> corners. <laughs> imagine you're walking through the woods and you stumble upon a fucking gator eating a hog or vice versa. You know versa. what? They have a common enemy and it's us. The totally. That's what it is. They're just like, you don't fuck with don't, me don't because we have to come together. And the flies are working for everybody. <laughs> People, person eating flies. People are coming out I, of the brush faces. with bloody arms I know. just eaten to shit. They're trying to eat people alive. I know. They don't want you back. What are they trying to hide? What and is that? And then there's a flying there? cockroach coming. I can't. I know. 
What is going on down there, South Carolina? One of my dearest friends carries from South Carolina. I got to ask her what's I've going been, on. It's, be- it's so beautiful down yeah, there, woof, except for this part. Woof. Holy Jesus. So weeks are going by, and eventually Tara has to go home. And yes. she is, says it's so heartbreaking that she has to leave. Uh, leaving Myrtle Beach without Brittany was very difficult. But it wasn't until I was home and her little brother and her little sister came to my house and her little brother Camden had looked at me and he goes, why didn't you bring Brit Brit home? And I just looked into his eyes and I was like, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I couldn't find her. I haven't even told the fam about this, but when we were in Hawaii, I'll just give you guys like the quick version. You know this. We were on the beach and it was like me and my sister and her kids and my other sister and her kids and Steve. Uh And we were walking. It was a long miles and miles of beach or whatever. We're walking along and all of a sudden Daisy was just gone. You didn't tell me this. I didn't tell you this. No. I didn't tell you this. No. Who did I tell this to? I don't know. I'll tell you the whole whole rest of the story later. But within within 30 seconds, every single mother, truly it was all women, every single mother on that beach I mean, I was on the ground screaming and we no, we couldn't find her. And the mothers came over to me and they did not, the only things they said were how old is she and what is she wearing? Oh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to yeah, yeah, lose yeah. it again. Oh my God, of course. And then it took too long. Like it was like another probably two minutes before we found her. Where was she? Basically she had just wandered even farther. We had all turned to go to the parking lot and she just kept going. She, she just kept going. But like I, it was, anyway, The my, my point is yeah. when we're like 45 seconds and if you don't know how long that is, turn this off and count to 45. Yeah. That's how long it was. Or put I, anything in the microwave for a minute and you'll see how long that is. <laughs> but that's how long I thought I would never see my daughter of again. Of course. I mean, that's a really, really long. Because a lot of times on the playground, it's like four seconds in there, like, right oh, there. Oh, there she is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Forty-five seconds at least. That's too long. I was like, I live here now. Mm-hmm. I look. I will never, ever, ever leave. Everything changes from I'm, that moment. Whatever on, like, house I see first, I'm buying. Yeah. So like for Tara, who found her? Was it you? Was it someone else? It was my nephew okay. Griffin. Okay. And, but like it was, it was a and all the moms at one point. I had my hand over my heart. One of the mothers was like, "Sit down. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. sit down. You have your hand over your yes. heart. Yeah. That's like terrifying, but also super beautiful. It, it gives w- me some hope and humanity that everyone. The just moms came. sprang into. I mean, it was it was incredible. Oh, <laughs> women doing work or something I, awesome. Were they just fucking solving <laughs> problems left and right? Amazing. <laughs> But for Tara to, like, have to, like, leave and go home, I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. Weeks go by, and now Britney's story is going viral, and barf now, we're on Dr. Phil. Holy Jesus, we're on Dr. Phil. And just when you think Dr. Phil can't get any worse. Like, here's one of the many reasons I dislike Dr. Phil, because yeah. this is not helpful and like, Jerry Springer style. Because uh-huh. Britney's parents are on, and they're yelling at Peter from Rochester. So remember, he's the one that she went to see before the mean girl called yeah. and said, I need my going out shorts back. And they're trying to say, and I'm not begrudging the parents, they're saying like, If you're a gentleman, why wouldn't you walk my daughter to her hotel or drive her there, knowing it was dark out that night. And maybe his answers were a little tone deaf? I'm not, I'm on spring break. I'm not there to babysit anybody. So maybe just guilty of insensitivity. Peter says, look, it's my spring break. Like, I, it's not my responsibility to look after your daughter. Exactly. And it's almost like, did you tell him to be a dick? Yeah. Why are we watching this? I this is all, not helpful. All I could think of, like, at the time he was on Dr. Phil, there was no answers. And I, I just wonder, was he still being looked at? You know, like, was, I he, don't know. was his attorney, like, deny, deny, deny? And whoever lets people go and do things like that, it's just shocking. And he's wearing me. a really doofy shirt. Oh, my God. He looks it's like a all... doof and a half. I know. McDoof face. <laughs> doof burger. Super just sized. so bad. We also 
also learned that like six months after she vanished, like the dad's been calling her phone every five minutes right. as I would be. And then one night in the middle of the night, the, her phone calls him back. Oh my God. Can you imagine no. that heart sinking moment? No. And then of course, like Britney's number has been reassigned and the dad didn't know. So he's still calling the number and some guy calls and I was like, why are you calling this number? It's fucking awful. Like I can't even imagine. Yeah. There's also, there's video of Britney from the night, like, before she disappeared. Yeah, so she disappeared on the Saturday. So this is from the Friday night. And this video comes to life a year later in spring 2010, when basically, because this story's gone viral, this kid comes forward and he's like, oh, wait a second. Yeah. I I hung out with her a little bit, like, the night before. And I was like, this story can only go poorly. And it doesn't. And but it, it doesn't. It, for a second, I was like, this is our guy. No I question, know. it's our guy. The story is... She had been walking down and being harassed because... She's a young, attractive girl, and she asked if he'd walk with her and uh, ultimately went to, I guess, his motel room, and they talked for a while. And there's video of Britney in his motel room on her phone, and she looks fine, and she's smiling, and then they cut to commercial, and I'm like, yeah. oh, God. I mean, oh, she's no. probably texting her boyfriend or Tara right. or whatever. Like, nothing happened between the two of and them. And we don't know. Like, maybe it's the same hotel. I know. Like, right. it, it might have been her hotel anyway. Right. I don't know. We don't know, but, like, it's spooky. It's spooky to see that video a year later. And now, just out of the clear blue sky, we learn about this absolute piece of shit named Raymond Moody. Like, oh my God. So this is all like new information as of 2022. As far as I remember, I never heard of this guy in connection to this case before that. Well, he's a piece of shit. He's a rapist. Yes. And he was in prison in California and he has to report to Wendy Powers. Now, Wendy? Can I, before we get to Wendy, because I I know what you're going to say. Okay. He gets, he's in prison in California for 20 years. We'll find out why later. He comes out of prison with a boyfriend. Yeah. Like a boyfriend, but then he moves back to his hometown of South Carolina, in South Carolina, where he like, also gets a girlfriend. Yeah, I didn't like Keith's tone here at all. I'm like, bi people exist. I know, it's true. And he was like, with a boyfriend and then a girlfriend. And I'm like, yeah. What of it, Keith? It's 2022, Keith. We're still doing this? This episode came out in December of 2022. Frankly, according to Matthew Perry's biography, you could have been nicer to him, Keith. Just while we're here. I didn't read that biography because he talks shit about Keanu Reeves. I know. And so I'm not going to go anywhere That Keanu Reeves shade is just awful. And I think he's he's taking it out for the second printing. The damage is fucking done. (laughs) And also not really because Keanu Reeves gets to be Keanu every day. I know. Get to enjoy Keanu Reeves. I couldn't agree more. Why are you talking shit about Keanu Reeves for Adam? I know for no reason whatsoever. I, I know. I could. I, I absolutely agree with you. So in South Carolina, this guy Raymond Moody reports to Wendy. Tell us about Wendy. Wendy sucks. He was the nicest guy you could talk to. Well mannered. I mean, always on time. Even so, he was a convicted predator. He was so nice. He was remorseful. And I'm like, he's a convicted rapist. And when you find out what he did and to whom, it is so vile. This human being is the, he's, he's, he's He's evil. evil. But Keith is like, cool story, Wendy. He's still a convicted sex offender. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I will say Wendy does the right thing here because she's his parole officer. And when she hears about the Brittany Drexel case, she's like, let me just look up where Raymond was at the time of she went missing. Just in case. Just in case. And it turns out he lived like three miles from where her cell phone last pinged. So she takes that to the actual detective. She takes it to SLED, which everyone knows because of the Murdoch case now. Oh, The South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. Like, everyone knows SLED now. But the cops look into this moody piece of shit, but not actually moody like sometimes we get if we don't eat. (laughs) And we get hungry and we're a little moody. Like, his last name is Moody. Well done there. And he admits in his file that he'll never stop being a predator. But hey, Wendy, tell me again how nice he was. I know. When he's in, when his job is to like 
as far as he's concerned, impress the parole officer. Of I course know. he's going to be nice to you, Wendy. Yeah. God. So he's got the boyfriend, and then we also learn about his girlfriend, Angel Voss. Yeah. And I guess one night, Angel <laughs> has had a couple... Angel drunk dials the ex-boyfriend. <laughs> totally. Her boyfriend's ex-boyfriend. Her boyfriend's ex-boyfriend. Yeah. And which is like, again... Yeah. It makes me think of Aubrey Plaza's April in, in Parks and Rec, where she's oh, like, my boyfriend's this, this is my boyfriend, this is his boyfriend. And then yeah. she explains how he, he likes him, he likes her, she hates it. Like, the whole yeah. hierarchy. And Leslie of the- Nope is like, okay. okay. <laughs> Leslie. Hey. Hey. This is my boyfriend, Derek. This is Derek's boyfriend, Ben. Hey. Hey. Oh. Wait, sorry. What's the situation? What do you mean? H- how does this work? Derek is gay, but he's straight for me, but he's gay for Ben, and Ben's really gay for Derek. And I hate Ben. It's not that complicated. No. I'm like, why did Parks and Rec 15 years ago handle bisexual people better than I Keith know. Morrison in 2022? Or, and I'm not like, I shouldn't even I assign that he's bi. And also, I hate this guy. Who can, right. can we have a bisexual that's not John Wayne Gacy or not this piece of shit? For I know. God's sake. 100%. Do I have to do all of it? <laughs> hey, look, the gays have got Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, My God. It's all bad. So anyway, she calls the boyfriend to be like, I'm just really sad about all like the murder I know that my boyfriend Raymond has done. Right. So the cops haul her ass down to the station. I guess the boyfriend does like the right thing and calls the cops. I we guess don't know. so. Yeah. And so here's what Angel tells the cops about Ray, the dirtbag. He's not a drinker. He don't do any kind of drugs. He don't smoke cigarettes. He don't do any of that. She also talked about his creepier impulses. Oh, he always has these fantasies about snatching girls off the street and raping them and then taking them somewhere and dumping them. He did, however, have fantasies of, quote, snatching girls off the street and raping them and taking them somewhere and dumping them. I mean... Angel Jesus Christ. But then when they ask her specifically about Brittany Drexel, she's like, do I remember him raping and killing her? I do yeah. not. He's like, no, but did, some, although sometimes sometimes I wake up and he's gone. And he would say her name all the time. Right. He does live in a creepy tent in the swamp. Oh, uh, the swamp where she died. Yeah. That's, so I don't know Is if that... Is that anything? <laughs> right. Maybe. Because she does not want to help them. She, like, loves this Raymond guy. I guess. And does not want to help the cops. We'll get back to her. She is garbage. Because the cops leave her alone for a second. And again, this is all being filmed like from the camera above, right? I mean, they leave her. What is wrong with these people who are being hauled in for killing or knowing about the murdering? Right. The cops leave them alone for two seconds and they just start confessing to everything out loud. Like, she just keeps, she breaks down. God forgive me for being with this crazy man. What if he does it again? Please don't let him get caught. And I'm like, Killed them all, of course. Like, thanks. Yeah. Great, Angel. Thanks for your help, you fucking idiot. So the investigators put a tracking device in his car. I guess you can just do that in South Carolina. And they track him for weeks. They say that he, he is goes, a convicted rapist. Totally. Listen, I'm not mad that they're doing it. Yeah. So they track him for weeks and he goes to like two two places, like to all of the various work sites and also to a cemetery. We'll right. get back to that later. Then they get a warrant for his house where he was living when Brittany went missing. They search, they don't really find anything. Right. But the news is all over it, right? Like this this story is going super viral. It yeah. makes the coverage makes its way to Vallejo, California. And th- this is where we meet Carrie Harding. And we're going to go through this really fast. Because yes. this is where I almost turned it off. I was like, nope, this is going to be one of those times I'm going to call Jillian and say, right. I can't do it. In 1983, Carrie was eight and she was like by herself going to like meet a friend at the school playground. And she saw a young man, early 20s, standing by his car. And um, he, he unlocked the passenger door to his car just as I passed. He snatched me from behind and put me in the car. He drove a few miles away to an undeveloped housing tract where he raped and sodomized her. 
he takes her to another location and rapes her and sodomizes her and she thinks she's going to die and she escapes by the skin of her fucking teeth. Yeah. So Carrie escapes. She runs away screaming. So like Carrie at eight years old is scared. She's just scared to pieces. She is found on the sidewalk after this attack by people who like take her to the hospital where she's bleeding from everywhere. And the mom is like, what happened? Carrie doesn't want to tell her. Of course not. Finally, of course, you know, my God. I mean, just like if something like this happened to Daisy, getting getting it out of her, what happened? Like she's just the kind of kid that like doesn't, it would be really fucking hard to get it out of her, you know? Yeah. And we have a very, very open relationship we talk about everything but like oh my god I can't even imagine and then for weeks and months she can't remember anything about this guy then she remembers she's got a bumper sticker on the back of her on his car which leads them to realize he's a marine working at the local naval base they bring her down show her a book of mugshots she sees his mugshot and once again doesn't want to identify him yeah and then does because the mom is like I can tell that there's something going on here and it was the very last photo on the binder yeah these kids are just so so vulnerable and they say like when she when she identifies him, they've already arrested him for multiple counts of doing the same thing to other young girls and women. Yeah, exactly. So he was sentenced to 40 years and he served just over 20. Which I just, once again, I know that 20 years in prison is a long time. How is it not for, I just will never yeah, understand. I, especially when this guy, he, one of those people who's just saying, I'm going to keep doing this I'm if you want to let it. me out. Like, yeah. that's great. If like the sentence could have been 40, whatever. Right. So the local police think that Raymond Moody, this piece of shit, is connected to Brittany Drexel. They think, all right, it's got to be him. Yeah. He's got to be the killer here. But they didn't arrest him because no, there's no like leads or actual evidence. It's just a hunch at this point. And then the FBI steps in to really fuck everything up. It's 2016 and the FBI decides that they're going to do a press conference just announcing that Brittany Drexel is dead. And I'm like, did anyone talk to her parents yet? Or the local authorities who've been invested. So the FBI and the cops have been investigating this case like on a parallel and the FBI never let the local authorities know they were looking into this. This whole thing is very convoluted and it's not what happened so we can go through this kind of fast and they did let the dad know they were going to do this like the day before but basically they bring the dad in the FBI and they tell him this is what happened to your daughter and it comes from a jailhouse informant from a jailhouse informant they say he had seen Brittany at this stash house in McClellanville a few days after she disappeared he said she was being sexually assaulted by a group of men and when she tried to run away The informant said, they shot her, killed her, took her body away. Other witnesses told the FBI they heard Brittany's body was thrown into an alligator pit. Took her body away and threw it in an alligator pit. Right. Now, I have a million questions, not the least of which is what the fuck is an alligator pit? Pit of alligators. Like, is that like a thing that somebody digs out and puts alligators in? Yeah, I don't. I mean, usually it's called like a swamp, I would think. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But again, to have one in your backyard a just seems pit not... pit of alligator. No. Like, This uh, isn't safe. No. Also, the story... Or real. Right. Because here's what we're going to learn. Right. So they point the finger at a guy named Timothy Taylor. He's black. Yes. They charge him. He's been charged with an armed robbery years and years earlier that has nothing to do with Brittany Drexel. Right. And after... He did do that. Yeah. And he was like the getaway driver. He was right. The, it was the getaway car. Yeah. So after, like, after those charges, they were going to try to use them to get him to talk about what he did to Brittany based on everything this jailhouse informant said. Now, this jailhouse informant, and the FBI fully believe this, are saying that Timothy Taylor kidnapped Brittany Drexel. We see Timothy Taylor. He weighs about 108 pounds, mm-hmm. and he's missing an arm. Yeah, from some childhood accident. He doesn't have a... He has one arm. Right. Like, so people are saying, how could he physically... 
I'm done saying this. that. Yeah. And so Timothy Taylor's like, I wasn't there. I don't even know this informant. Like, I don't know. Like, I, it's very, to me, it's so clear that he didn't do this. And yet he's being blamed. Right. Yeah. So the local cops refused to prosecute Timothy Taylor. The FBS also implicated Timothy's dad. They're like, we're not going to charge somebody based on a jailhouse informant. That's all the evidence they have that any of this happened. Right. Then the jailhouse informant story changes. Yeah, it keeps changing. Yeah, now it's Nate. It's not Timothy. There was no gator pit. She was buried. It's like, come on. Right. Keith goes, Seemed like the prison informant story, the FBI's evidence against the Taylors, was squishier than a South Carolina swamp. But the FBI never made that public. Squishier than a South Carolina swamp kid. <laughs> and the point is, they never arrest Timothy for this. It just ruins his life. Because he's all over the news trying to clear his name. And the FBI never apologized. No. They never publicly redact and say, hey, Timothy, we're so sorry that we did this to you. No, because guess what? We're about to find out what really happened. And even after that, they never take it back. Like, there are people out there who's, like, if you Google Timothy Taylor, like, uh, accusations of killing Brittany Drexel still come up. Right. And so, Keith, at one point, it happens later, but we'll talk about it now. Yeah. He's like, and the FBI guys who did this to Timothy Taylor are here. And right. Keith's like, well, like, so what are you going to do for Timothy Taylor? And they're like, I don't I don't believe there's anything we can do. And Keith goes, you can apologize. And they're like, well, no, Keith, we're not going to do that. I know. That's I know. crazy. So years pass, like years and years pass. It's 2020. And the, there's a new FBI-led team that takes a new look at Britney's case. They don't make a big deal out of it. Like, when new information started coming out around that time, it was a shock to me. Nobody even knew that anybody was looking at this case. Meanwhile, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I, th I was thinking about this case every day. Yeah. Every wow. day. I know. Wow. This is what, this, I have to remember this for like Q&As. This is the one that sticks with me. Yeah. Yeah. So there's new FBI people on the case, right? Fresh eyes. Yeah. And we learned that it turns out the cops had secretly recorded Angel back in 2014. Angel is that guy Raymond Moody's girlfriend. Right. Remember the guy that had the boyfriend and then the girlfriend? Right. She called and like, you know, whatever. Drunk dialed. Whatever. She drunk dialed the ex -boy. Her. She's back. And I guess they had been just recording her. And in some slurry drunk late night phone call, she's on the phone with somebody where she admits that she's the one who right. killed Brittany Drexel. Right, and she was hammered, and so nothing came of it, and whatever. They can't really use it because... According to Kerrison, she appeared to be drunk, and she got things wrong. It had to be a lie. I can't surmise why other law enforcement agencies did or didn't do things, um, but I wouldn't have considered that actionable intelligence. No. It certainly arouses suspicion. She gets some of the details wrong. Right. But the fact that, like, Brittany Drexel is something she's thinking about and talking about is very telling. In a very upsetting way. She's always hammered or, or, like, hysterical when she's talking about it. Yeah. So now with 2022 technology, they're able to figure out the car because they do have a couple of videos yes. from Myrtle Beach, right? So this is, like, the last night right before Brittany's phone goes silent. Yeah. We've seen the video of her walking by and they're able to zoom in on one of the cars and, like, I guess they can clean up the imagery now so they right. can actually see the license plate and trace the car. It turns out this car belongs to Angel's brother. So right before Brittany sends her very last text message, after sending, we will find out, 100 text messages that day, right. her phone stops just as a car owned by Angel Voss's brother right. drives past her. So now FBI Hank calls Angel about an unrelated investigation, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, Jesus, Angel, get your fucking life together. I know. God damn it. So now this is April of 2022. This is like the most recent information we have. So they bring Angel down to the station to like talk about this unrelated incident. But it's like she's laughing, telling stories. Well, I, speaking of getting her life together, like she became a nurse. Like she, okay. she, 
I mean, she like when I, I'm just saying like she did get her life together, but like watching this video of her is infuri she I'm like, how dumb do you have to be right. to think that these cops have nothing better to do than call you down to the station to chit chat. Chit chat for and, like, fun. Yuck it up for an hour. And she's like, remember that time? <laughs> do you remember? Like she's having a grand old time. And then finally, er, they switch gears. Yeah. And now they start asking about Brittany and the car. So the thing is, they know the car that went right past her was owned by Angel's brother. Angel thinks they're trying to get her to rat out her boyfriend, Raymond. Now, this is where everything changes. And that's not what's happening. They're looking at her. She thinks they're trying to get her to rat out Raymond. Now she's defending Ray. She's standing up. She storms out of the room. We watch it all happen. I gotta go. No means no. I gotta go. See, no. No means no. Yeah. You fucking piece of shit. I know. Those words are like a mantra. Yeah. Mantra. Whatever. I remember my mom telling me about that phrase when I was younger. So for her to scream like, oh, no means no you fucking piece of shit, when Angel. We're going to find out what you were actually a part like, of. Like, are yeah. you serious? For her to, like, invoke those words was infuriating to me. A hundred percent. But so, like, she leaves. I'm not talking. I'm not talking. One of the cops intercepts her at the bottom of the stairs and goes, girl. They're not here to talk about Ray. They're here to talk about you. Now, if you got something you want to go in there and clear up, now's the time. Minutes later, she returned. I'm back. Okay. So she comes in now. She's all smiles. She goes, I'm back. Fellas. (laughs) Now, what is it you wanted to know before? Talk to me again. Where were we? I'm so sorry. Something. I I hadn't eaten much today. I was so hungry. Uh, Now that I have a Snickers, what can I do for you? And this is where we learn that Angel, for whatever reason, still has her phone from 2009. It's 2022. Except she doesn't. Because like she's dangling that, saying like, look, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I know that I saw my phone. The cops are like, wait a second. Your phone will give us all the information. It'll tell us where you were. Maybe there's text messages on there. They get a search warrant for her house. They go and like tear the place apart. There's no phone. She's lying. But they do get something out of right because they do the same thing. Like, hey, like Angel's going to rat on you. Don't, you know, they turn them against each other. Yeah. And it works. It works because for some reason, Raymond Moody now feels like he has to protect Angel because Raymond thinks the cops are going to like finger her for this murder. Uh So he comes in with a a full fucking confession. Probably because he's scared that she's going to rat. And so he wants to do, I don't know. I don't know. Who cares? And then, so then like, we don't hear the full confession here because now Raymond Moody is like literally here with us sitting down with Keith Morrison. And if he thinks he can manipulate Keith Morrison, he has another thing coming. I mean, it is wild. Like, we've seen all these images of Ray throughout the years in the episode. And I got to tell you, he's a good-looking guy. He's super fit and buff. He sits down for, with Keith. He's old. He's somewhere in the, along the way lost an eye. But not his desire to manipulate, says Keith. <laughs> he lost a fucking eye. Yeah. Oh, my God. Good. The mouth what? sounds were killing me. Someone, I, I don't want him to be happy in any way, but can someone, for my sake, get him a fucking glass of water? Do you know? These mouth sounds making were making me insane. Our Natalie has a thing called misophonia. Did yes. You know this? Yes. So like this, like any says she can't sit near people if you're like eating Cheetos. Yes. Like sounds make her crazy. Yes, I know. That's the whist- my whistling thing. I, I can't. I, I forgot about it. It's that. like not a joke. I know. It hurts my head. It's a bad thing. I know. Cheetos, however, Natalie lighten up. It's I, Cheetos. <laughs> I love you, Natalie. I'm sorry. Natalie! It's just uh, that I'm hungry. I'm sorry. So Keith is saying to like we see this piece of shit Raymond sit down and Keith is like illness had aged him cost him an eye but as was soon clear not the desire to manipulate as he presented the version of Ray Moody he wanted me to believe was real that is a good man who a few times years ago briefly became a monster 
who a few times, many, many years ago, briefly turned into a monster. And he's like, look, and Keith says, the excuses were coming faster than I thought they were. Because Raymond is like, the thing is, it's everyone else's fault. I wasn't rehabilitated enough. So that's why I did this. Everyone else's fault, including Britney's. Well, here's, so... Keith sits back. Keith lets him talk and talk and cry about how he misses his granddaughter. So he's crying because he misses Angel's granddaughter, who's eight years old, who he has access to. Remember Carrie from earlier in the episode? She was eight when he attacked her. She was eight. He's clearly, his interest in this young girl is to abuse her. And this is when Keith strikes. Oh my God. I, I was, I felt truly sick to my stomach. Yeah, because Keith knows. Like, yeah. the vo- Keith's voiceover is like, yeah, like, he's so transparent. Like, watch this. Like, in Chicago, watch this. <laughs> so Keith goes, oh, she's eight? That's interesting, because that's the same age as Carrie. Do you remember Carrie? Oh and now, God. this piece of shit is not expecting Keith to know about Carrie, yeah, to yeah, bring yeah. up Carrie, yeah. to make that connection. So he really, like, hurled it at him. I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. So now Ray changes his tactics. Ray now decides to talk about Britney, and he has the fucking nerve to tell us and Keith that Britney was totally into it at first. I mean, he said, like, it, it's so crazy. Like, he also doesn't expect us to know, via Keith, what we know about Britney and Britney's night. Right. So remember, Britney, like, had walked a mile to see your friend turn right around she's so annoyed texting with her boyfriend I'm having a miserable time all I want to do is go home and pack and get the fuck uh-huh. out of here right. and Raymond is saying I pull over and hollered to her mm-hmm. and she walked willingly over to the van yeah. and she, then like was like looking like checking everything out she wanted to party she wanted to smoke weed and Keith's like just quick uh, I'm going to interject here she hated weed and everyone knew that about her everybody knew that about her so like, like the story is it's such a lot and then when Raymond he describes inviting her to get into the van and then she does he goes why did she do that I mean never get into a van with a stranger and Keith eggs him on because Keith's like well yeah of course like two middle aged people like yourself like she thought she was safe Yeah, he is dragging this out of him it's right. pretty masterful how Keith does this yeah. knowing full well like Keith wants to throw up and punch this guy but exactly. he's totally and he's still, you know he's sitting in that Keith pose with his like leg half crossed and he's yeah. like oh how interesting <laughs> so Keith also says the voiceover is like another lie of course right. like he knows <laughs> what's going on and basically he just says that like you know Keith is saying so like when you were like driving 50 miles away from Myrtle Beach she must have been terrified no she wasn't terrified she was, was having a great time well why did she stop texting you must have taken her phone nope she just didn't want to text anymore and she was so engaged with us and this is when Keith was like the hour before she vanished she sent out 17 texts 100 that day Would she have responded to this from her boyfriend? Please call me. Please. Of course she would have. But she didn't. Couldn't. The boyfriend is texting her saying, please respond to me. Please respond to me. Like, of course she would have responded to that text message. Right. And this is the thing that made me stop and, like, want to throw up. Because this is where he says that Britney, quote, cooperated. And he says to Keith, he's like, you know, Keith, you'd be surprised. Like, raping people, it's not like the movies. Oh, my God. They eventually just cooperate out of fear. Yeah. And I was like, even just hearing that I know. I know. And, oh, my God. And so Keith... Keith is about to lose it because Keith sort of says to us, like, you see what he's doing, right? Right. Like, do you see what's happening here? Like, he kidnapped and assaulted and killed a 17-year-old, and now he's besmirching her character. Right. Watch this. Yeah. So then Keith just starts laughing in his face. Keith is laughing at him. Right. And saying, like, let me just go by. And this is the line why everyone wanted us to do this episode. And this was one of our first TikToks that we said about Casey Anthony. Yeah. When Keith goes, bullshit. 
That's not how it happened. Uh, you don't you know think it. so? Bullshit. That's not how it happened and you know it. Right. Because Keith has all of these years of investigation and all of like the work that Keith has done in Datelines. I'm sure they've had other episodes about this and this yeah. is like their their update one. Right. So Keith just let this guy dig a hole, the biggest fucking hole ever, and then just like slaps him in the face with the truth. It's, and, and like the guy doesn't see it coming from a mile away. And what, like and then he can't look Keith in the eye. No. He's sipping his little soda. Yeah. He, he's like, and you can see him like sort of scrunching right. into himself. Like this is a good gotcha moment. This exactly. is a real a real gotcha. Not someone asking Sarah Palin what newspaper she reads. Exactly. This is a real fucking gotcha. Right. You know what I mean? Although, Katie, that was a good one. Ju- uh, the New York Times. It, it was so, exactly. Just, uh, Just one thing. The local Alaska Tribune. Totally. The Bugle. <laughs> Who cares? The Alaska Bugle. The fucking Bugle. But so the cops, when he gives this confession to them, they say, we are only going to accept this confession if you can take us to the body. Right, of course. And so he does. It's The body is, is buried 10 miles from the campsite in the woods where her phone last pinged, where Keith was standing on the dock with that lady, Monica, who doesn't take anybody's fucking shit. Yeah. He takes the cops to the body and it was buried, they say, on the property of unsuspecting homeowners. Remember how they put a tracking device on his car and they're like, why is he always going to this cemetery? It's within walking distance of where he buried Brittany Drexel. Yeah. Because he's a fucking creep. And then, like, the dad, Brittany's dad is brought in to, like, see the site where Brittany was and the owner of the property says to him, the owner of the land, the wife, came right up to me and said, can I ask you a question? Would you mind if I planted a tree here for your daughter? And I lost. I said, absolutely. Is it okay if I plant a tree here in her honor? Everyone's sobbing. I'm sobbing. Everyone is sobbing. And so the case is, in some senses, solved. But the FBI is still working because they're like, what about Angel? Like, what's going on with her? She was there. She knew something. So they're still working on the case about Angel, I guess. And that's kind of how it, I mean, you well, know. No, he's going to die in prison, girl. Yeah. We got some good news <laughs> no, at the end. Yeah, Yay! Right. Yay! He's going to die soon. <laughs> oh my God, girl. What a crazy episode. I'm just glad that we have a resolution after all this time. I know. I know. It's so sad. Fam, if you're going to be in the St. Paul area this Friday, come and see me. I'm bringing my traveling book party. It's my last stop before the book comes out. I got a bunch more in December, but this is the last stop before the book comes out, girl. Okay, great. Everyone should go. Also, join us on the Patreon. 400 full ad-free bonus episodes. You get a bonus episode every single week. Yeah, it's a good time. It's just one of those long-form series, you know, the ones with it, like multi-part episodes. We're doing those. Yeah. What do we do? Oh, right now we're doing Gunther's Millions about the dog. We're doing Gunther's Millions. The billionaire okay, which dog. Which is like barely about the dog. I was doing Steve. I don't appreciate it. Um, girl, what are we doing next? So there's a series called New York Homicide. Very highly requested. Oh, yeah. And there's an episode called Slade and Soho. So it's like New York in the 80s. And it all takes place. It all revolves around the famous The Puck Building, right, on Lafayette? Yes. That's like the building where Grace Adler worked in Will and Grace. Exactly that. And many yes. other things. But mo- yes. most importantly, where Grace Adler designed was in Willing Grace. All right, fam, stay tuned for the trailer for that and then our funny and hilarious outtakes. I hope, I don't know if there are any. This was such a crazy, sad episode. I know. Well, good luck to all of us, I guess. We'll do our best. And we love you, fam. We love you. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye, everybody. A writer in the vibrant art scene of early 1980s Soho is found dead in a parking lot. She was last seen en route to meet her husband. He said he was supposed to meet his wife at the Puck Building at around 5 o'clock, and he went there, and from what I understand, they must have missed each other. This is 1980s New York. Not really a time you want to be caught out after dark alone. 
Detectives question if her husband could have been involved. They're zoning in on him and they're saying, who is this guy, Richard? Can we really believe his story right now? Ironically, it's her missing wedding ring that provides a major clue. Whoever stole this ring, maybe they tried to get money for it. If we found that ring, we'd probably find who was responsible for this. This guy's getting out of town. There's something wrong here. So this episode was highly requested. Just say this episode of Dateline. Yeah. But, well, I was gonna, but... Oh, sorry. I didn't tell you what to do. We, I love when we're out somewhere and we both see each other from across the room. We're like, oh, thank God you're here. I, you and Mike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have good luck with Mike's in my life. What can I, I know. say? Mike's pretty great. Steve loves to pack. A, I, there are nights when I'm not home that I bet he pack, packs just for the just fun for of it. Just for fun. Just to like really organize it well. But it's like, it well. oh, he's not. He's out. <laughs> Patrick's out. I get to pack. Oh. Someone get me the away bag. Yeah. Daisy, get Daddy the away bag. <laughs> no. <laughs> Says Daisy. 